What's happening, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. On uh, we're coming to you on. This is we're recording this Thursday night, April the twenty seventh, which is uh, NFL the first the night of the first round of the NFL draft. Eric Lopez, or as we like to know it, football Christmas. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so far, there's good news and bad news for Blake Bortles. Uh, the good news is, at the time of this recording, the Jaguars haven't taken a quarterback yet. They took Leonard Fournette with the first-round pick. The bad news is, uh, Deshaun Watson now is in his division, but he's going to be with the Houston Texans. So yeah, that's going to be a problem. So, yeah, gotta, but otherwise, it's always fun. Exactly. So we got a lot to talk about. We will. We we won't dive in completely on a lot of UCF NFL draft stuff because. Um, I want to wait until we see, you know, where uh, Shaquille Griffin does go and where the free agents all go, and we'll be we'll have plenty of time to riff about that next week. Although I had a couple questions I wanted to ask you that uh, our friend Eric Casillas asked me, Eric Lopez, that we we'll, we can touch upon about that. Right. That'll be that'll be later on in the show. We're gonna lead off with uh, appropriately enough. We're gonna do we're gonna talk about softball. They got their uh, home uh, finale conference weekend coming up. Uh, we're going to touch upon baseball. Big weekend there. Um, Skinner Strong weekend over at UCF Baseball. And we'll hit up on some golf and tennis as they finished up their conference uh, uh, tournaments and uh, get ready for their NCAA berths, if applicable. So let's dive in. Let's talk about softball, Eric Lopez. And uh, coming off of the week off, um, j- badly needed, like we said uh, a couple shows ago, right? And here we go, 23-20, and 7-5 in the league, and this is the last home weekend. Three games at home against UConn, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then they're at Bethune-Cookman. That's your last chance to catch them in Central Florida uh, on May the 3rd, Wednesday. And then they finish up the regular season on the road at Tulsa. One of those games you'll be doing, actually. And uh, or, or will you be going up to uh, oh, Tulsa? No, 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 no. you're not. Okay. Be, uh, Bruce Howard. My good friend Bruce Howard will be calling the game with Sydney Gerbach. Uh, gotcha. We'll be doing that game on the digital network. There. Okay, but we'll but we'll both be there. Sorry about that, but we'll be there for the uh, UConn games. I know I'll be there for Senior Day uh, yeah. on Sunday, uh, April the thirtieth, and uh, so let's take a look at where UCF is right now because um, you know as you take a look at the standings. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like we always say, don't pay attention to the overall record. Pay attention to the conference record. Now UCF. Right now is four games back of Tulsa for first in the league. Uh, in third place overall, the Knights are. Uh, Houston is one game ahead of them in this. I mean, you call this, man. I got to give you props because, um, I mean, you had it. I mean, this this conference is a total and complete crapshoot this year. Um, props to Tulsa. They're the only team at 30 wins right now. But, you know, USF has 29. UCF has 23. Uh, Houston's twenty. You're gonna have a bunch of twenty. You're gonna have every team in the league with twenty-five wins this year, except for UConn. So as UCF heads into this three-game set against a team that's in last place in the league uh, at one in ten in the conference, fifteen and twenty-six overall, what do they have to get done? Well, I think. Look, I mean, they have to sweep Connecticut, in my opinion, to have a shot. First of all, to have a shot, you know, with some help for the regular season title. They're going to need to sweep UConn, and they're going to need Tulsa to drop a game at East Carolina. So mathematically, UCF could go to Tulsa with a shot for the conference title. 
for, you know, put that aside. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it. Houston's at Memphis this weekend and then finish with USF in the regular season at home. USF has the bye this weekend. They are at Houston to finish. Boy, is that going to be a series, by the way, Houston-USF? Well, it's, it's, it's a huge series because, in my opinion, I think the winner of that series could will probably be no lower than a three seed. Yeah. So if you're UCF, what you're hoping for is you could take care of UConn and then try to steal a game or two at Tulsa from a, from a conference standpoint and try to finish second or third in the conference. Uh, second would be fantastic. Uh, but you want to be two or a three. And let's talk about from an at-large standpoint. I think if they need to sweep UConn, you need to beat Bethune, you need to win a game or two against Tulsa, and now you're coming in hot going into the conference tournament and your resume gets jacked up, and all of a sudden you're in the mix for an at-large bid. I think that's what's at stake, uh, but it's one step at a, one step at a time. I mean, that's the thing. This is such a young team that you have to take it one game at a time. I know it's cliche, but it's true. This team has to uh, learn how to win three games in a row in a conference. They haven't done that yet. So to suggest that that's going to be easy uh, certainly uh, would be very, very uh, misguided because certainly UConn's a team that's desperate for a win. They're going to be scrappy. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how this team handles that. But I think it's a big series from that standpoint. I think you've got to win the series, and you've got to try to go for the sweep and build some momentum going into the conference tournament in Greenville, which will start on May 11th. Is We talked about before how great Aaliyah White has been in the circle for the Knights. I mean, that pretty much speaks for itself at this point. But my question to you is, is there any chance of a number two person coming along the line? I know it's this late in the season. It's like now or never, but... Any chance of what you might think for, you know, who's the person who's going to take that load off of off of her shoulders uh, as we head down the stretch here? Or is there anybody? Well, I think that's one of the things we're going to find out this weekend against Connecticut. I think that we focus so much on Aaliyah White. To me, this is a big series for the rest of the staff, for Cameron Tony. I think it's a big series for Demara Beijing. I think it's a big series for Manemi Calixto. Who of those three step up because I have a, I feel like they're going to get their opportunity this weekend and they need to deliver here and show that they can be dependent on on a consistent basis because uh, Aaliyah I don't think at this point is you can depend on to start all three games and sweep so you're going to need somebody else to get you some wins here and I think they're capable of but they got to show that they could put it together and I think that's what UConn is about this weekend that's I expect them to see all of them at some point this weekend mm-hmm. and get some work and get fine-tuned up, uh, ready to go, because you're right, to your point, fast forward, even past the Tulsa series, uh, you go to the conference tournament, yes, it's a single elimination tournament, and yes, you could in theory throw your number one all three days if you want to win the championship, but you got to believe you're going to need to get some outs from other than Aaliyah White, and I think that's what I, I'm very interested in seeing how the other pitchers look this weekend against UConn uh, and helping out Aaliyah a little bit, because I think Aaliyah at times has had to probably carry more of the load than, than really she's been capable of, quite yeah. honestly. I mean, she's had a, a heck of a freshman year. She's among the nation's leaders and wins for a freshman. I think she's got a strong case right now to be the front runner for freshman of the year, or as they call it in the American, the rookie of the year. Uh, I think she's got a strong case and can finish that with a big last two weeks. But you're right. I think that's the question for the remain. You know, this weekend is, you know, does someone else step up 
and say, hey, I can win a big game here or two. Call my number, and I'll be ready to go here the next couple of weeks. That's going to be interesting to see what happens here with Connecticut. I do hope that the answer to that is going to be Menemy Calixto, the senior, because she's the only senior left. There's a really nice feature that they put up on her on UCFnights.com that I was reading earlier today. And it's, you know, now's the time when you're a senior that you really start to feel your mortality, your athletic mortality sort of kicking in, right? And I think that's certainly the case, uh, at least, uh, you know, certainly for Menemy. I think it's uh, certainly the case for uh, Brittany Solis, who, um, you know, we've seen, you know, all the work that she's done this year. She's kind of scuffled at the plate this year. Um, you know, now's the, you know, now is certainly the time. If you're going to get hot, you know, I no better team to do it against than the team that's in last place in the league, right? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, again, I, I caution people. I, uh, Connecticut played UCF last year, and both games ended up being one-run ball games. So, it's just a, look, Connecticut's going to be ready to play. And, you know, I think UCF has to be locked in on that. It's senior weekend, as you mentioned. They're going to honor Brittany Solis, Linnea Goodman, Calixto, as you mentioned, and uh, Boys, Willow Linnea Calton. been something this year, huh? Well, how about the staff board? I don't know if people are aware of this, but going into this weekend right now, Linnea Goodman would have the it's got the second all time batting average in a career. She's behind Stephanie Best right now. If if their if her career ended right now, Whoa. she would be the second all time in batting average. I think she was hitting 327 as for her career, which would put her in second place behind Stephanie Best, who was like at 383, wow. which is just absurd. But think about that. I mean, she's ahead of Janae Shinhoster. She's ahead of Brianne Javier. She's ahead of Tiffany Lane. Uh, she's a top five all time in hits. I mean, I said this on the broadcast, uh, during the USF series, and I'll probably focus more on it this weekend with it being senior weekend. I think Linnea Goodman has built up a resume with two conference regular season championships, a conference tournament title, all-conference member uh, in her career. She's probably going to be all-conference again this year, uh, four-year starter in the outfield. I think she is in the conversation right there with Janae Shinhoster as maybe the greatest UCF outfielder ever to ever play in the, in the program from an offensive-defensive standpoint. UCF offensively, from an outfield standpoint, have had a lot of great defensive outfielders. Mm-hmm. Willow Callanan. Make the, you can make the argument might be the best corner outfield defensive outfielder UCF's ever had. But I think from a, a, from a complete body of work, offense and defense, Lenea, I think is right there with Shinhoster as far as the greatest outfielders of all time in UCF softball history. Now, Shinhoster had more power. You covered Shinhoster. Yep. He has more power than Lenea. They're completely different players from that standpoint. And who knows how but, many RBIs Janae would have had in her day because she was a leadoff well, hitter. <laughs> Right, which is ironic because Linnea has been a leadoff hitter a majority of her career. So Linnea is more of a slap hitter, more of a get-on-base hitter. She's not a power hitter like Shinhoster, but uh, her numbers speak for itself. She's top 10 in stolen bases. She's in the near the top 10 in runs scored, top 5 in base hits. Yep. Uh, in fact, yep. I think she's fourth all-time in base hits. Uh, so she's got she's had a heck of a career very quietly. Uh, it certainly is right there in the conversation. For among the greatest uh, the greatest outfielders in the history of the program, maybe Shinhoster has a slight edge if you prefer power. Uh, but other than that, I don't know if anybody else can make an argument that they're better than Goodman. This year, Linnea is hitting three seventy nine, and you mentioned Willow, who in her senior year is hitting three fifty six. They're the to- they're the top two right now in the Knights this year in terms of batting average, three seventy nine. Man, and she started all forty. Uh, she started forty two games. Uh, uh, started all 42 that she's played in. 
Uh, UCF has uh, played 43 to this point. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is going to be fun. I, I'm hoping that she really heats up because I, I would like to see her really solidify that number two spot. I I know for one thing, I, I would put her in my in my all time UCF team. I would put her as one of the outfielders, certainly. Certainly, she's played left field, so I, I could easily make that case that she should be your starting left fielder at an all-time team. There's no question about that. You mentioned she's hitting 379. Uh, that's right in that mix among top five all-time batting averages for a UCF player in a single season. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of Stephanie Best years. There. Yeah, I was going to say it's, this, it's uh, I, I can I can think of probably four of them, right? Stephanie Best, Stephanie Best, Stephanie Best, and uh, Stephanie Best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to try it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the info, factoid here in a minute. But the point is, Lindez had a heck of a year. And Willow, to your point, by the way, Willow's had her best year of the three years here at UCF offensively. Uh, really grown, can hit away as well as slap now. Uh, it's always been a great defensive player. When I think of Willow Callan, I'll think of her defense. I'll think of her right arm. I'll think back to that throw she did against USF in the bottom of the seventh in 2016 to Helped keep the game tied. Mm-hmm. Uh, tremendous uh, attributions. And of course, you have Brittany Solis, who's been the starter at shortstop since she walked on campus. She played two games at third base in 2014 because Ferris Sullivan was hit by a pitch by Sarah Nevins. And so Solis had to be called to play at third. But other than that, she's played every game in her career at shortstop. And, uh, you know, her, she looks up to one of her favorite players is Derek Jeter. Uh, and I think that's the type of player that she is. She does not, she's not going to, you know, jump out at you offensively, but she makes all the plays defensively and, uh, is one of those players that's a winning player and, uh, certainly has done a heck of a job defensively on a shortstop. Stephanie Best is a tremendous offensive player, the greatest offensive player in shortstop's history, but Steph's the first to tell you is not the greatest defensive shortstop. Yeah. Uh, so you could argue. I think Solis is in the conversation if you count Natalie Lane, who played second and short for the best shortstops of all time defensively. Tiffany Lane was very good as well, but certainly uh, Solis is in that conversation. So the point is, this is a pretty good group, even though it's a small senior group, a pretty good group uh, that's won a lot of games. And, of course, Manemi, as you mentioned, transferred from last year from Miami-Dade uh, as well. Had a good year last year. Has had some issues, uh, injuries uh, that, that's kind of held her back this year. But... Uh, you know, certainly she, she certainly hopefully can still finish strong. By the way, mm-hmm. so here's the record. I mentioned the batting average in a single season. Stephanie Best, 442 in oh 2004 that's, is the record. That's preposterous. Stephanie Best's fresh, uh, 2003 season, 403. <laughs> Brianne Javier. Come on, man. In her senior year, 08, 385. Those are the only three players that have had a higher batting average. Than currently Linnea Goodman has, which right now her batting average is what? 379. There you go. So, will not break Stephanie Brass's record, <laughs> but uh, no, maybe can I mean, pass Steph, uh, maybe she could pass the fellow Californian Brienne Javier uh, on those numbers. Uh, she'll safe have a, to say. <laughs> you know? Yeah, she'll have a chance against UConn. And like you said, I know you're, I know you're telling me don't sleep on UConn, and you're absolutely right. Don't sleep on UConn. But, you know, right now, the last place team in the American coming in to play right now. I mean, it couldn't have been, couldn't have come at a better time. So it's a three game series coming up. Uh, we've got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So make sure you're there uh, for that one. Sunday's going to be Senior Day. And uh, what time is that Sunday game, Eric? I, uh, I'm looking at. I, th- I think it's in the early afternoon, right? Yeah, twelve That's noon. Correct. Twelve noon Sunday. Correct. So. 
uh, 5.30 Friday, 2 p.m. on Saturday. So that should be fun. Let's flip over to baseball real quick. Uh, Knights right now, uh, I'll tell you the truth, pretty good shape. 29-12. and 12, And we got a uh, column up uh, actually just today by our friend Brian Murphy uh, on uh, UCF preparing for this weekend series. And it's an emotional one because it's, uh, it's Joe Skinner night uh, at uh, the UCF uh, uh, baseball complex. Friday series opener is uh, Joe Skinner night. Of course, if you remember uh, Joe, he uh, was a uh, young player uh, uh, last year who um, never played a game for UCF. He was stricken with cancer when he was in high school. He's from Bishop Moore High School. Uh, he passed away um, due to cancer, and uh, and you know, and UCF, to especially the base, you know, obviously the baseball team to their credit, really kind of took up the mantle, and uh, and has established this um, fundraising legacy really in in Joe's honor. And the uh, goal for UCF, they're trying to raise twenty thousand uh, dollars for uh, the uh, Skinner Strong Foundation. Uh, raising money for pediatric cancer. Right now, right this instant, it's 10.05 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, the day before. They're a little bit more than half. Uh, 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 well, they, they've actually crossed over their, uh, their mark, $20,876.42. Uh, so UCF has reached their goal. Um, and this is College Baseball versus Cancer 2017 uh, weekend as well. So all of college baseball uh, is sort of taking up the mantle to fight cancer. Um, and uh, again, this is going to be an emotional weekend. Uh, the Skinner family will be there. Remember, they're locals, um, and so you know. Uh, and so this is going to be some, this is going to be really, um, like I said, an emotional weekend for UCF baseball. Make sure you read up on that on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com. Greg Lovelady's team right now, as we as we look at on the field, twenty nine and twelve, seven and five in the league. Three game set coming up against the Memphis Tigers, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Memphis, you know, I remember them last year because I was doing some of their games at the conference tournament. This year, they're uh, four and eight in the league. They're second to last uh, behind East Car- uh, or ahead of East Carolina, um, but behind Cincinnati. UCF right now at fourth, actually tied for third, I should say, with USF at seven and five. Houston Tulane tied for first at eight and four. Um, Man, UCF is right in the thick of it. Uh, that USF team at thirty-two and nine is pretty good, Eric Lopez. But um, you know, this Memphis team coming in right now—they're twenty and twenty overall. Um, the emotional part of this is—is—is is, is that how easy are, is it for you know when you're a college athlete to to compartmentalize that stuff? Yeah, I think they'll be. Uh, I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be motivated. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things. Once the game starts, it's they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about what's going on with the first pitch and execution. So I, I don't know uh, as far as if that will be a factor in one way or the other. Uh, if anything, I think they will be geared up and ready to go and uh, try to win it for them. So I, I think that's a fact. So right. look, this team's playing very well. It's a big series. You know, they got a lot of momentum, winning two out of three against UConn. They're now, you know, they're in the mix in the in the conference. But you know, you look at Memphis; that record is not very good. But you you know Memphis probably better than anybody in this market. So you <laughs> they're know scrappy. what they're capable of. Yeah, they're scrappy. Last year they lost that first game in the conference tournament, and they looked bad doing it. And then they win three games in a row, and all of a sudden they find themselves on Saturday the the day before the. Uh, 
the, the day before the championship, you know, in the semis, they, they, they beat UConn once, and they were one win away from going to the American Athletic Conference uh, championship game against what would have been uh, Houston on that side of the bracket. But UConn beat them in the second game of two. Um, but yeah, they're a scrappy team. And I was always, imp- I, w- I really was impressed. They, they had a lot of young pitching last year. And, uh, and you could tell that they were going to be good, but they just weren't there yet. And, uh, I'm going to take a look at some of the numbers here, uh, for that, because, you know, like I, 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 I was just really impressed with sort of the, the youth of their arms and, uh, and they just didn't quite have it all put together, though. So, yeah, I'm, cons- I, I'm a little bit more concerned about this Memphis team, but I guess familiarity breeds concern, I guess, is that if, that's the, if that's the case. The Memphis this year, by the way, second to last in ERA in the, uh, in the league and second to last in team batting as well. They are dead last in team fielding, so it's been a struggle for them this year uh, over in Memphis. It's, I know it's tough, although... Uh, individual, uh, uh, I mean, it's you know, individually speaking, you know, nobody really jumps out. Um, you know, I mean, they have one reliever, Ryan Garner, who's actually pitched quite well, but has only appeared four times. It's, it's just kind of rough right now for Memphis at this point. So I'm expecting UCF to um, to play pretty well. And I'm hoping that, you know, if, you, if you're heading to the ballpark on Friday night, come on out and support uh, Joe Skinner night because, uh, you know, Joe is a special kid and uh, a little, uh, a, a little, point of order, personal point of order on that, if I may, Eric. Um, so you, you know that my wife works in pediatric oncology at um, Arnold Palmer. Uh, and Joe was uh, not one of her direct patients, but you know he was known in that building, in that clinic. Uh, and he and the doctors who worked with him are, you know, are, are doctors that's, that, that Stephanie works with. And uh, and his law. I remember when it happened. When when news came down that that Joe had passed away, it was really shocking to everybody. It was shocking to my wife too. And um, you know, I didn't get the chance to to meet him or get to know him at all. But you know, she did. And and she always, you know, she told me about how um, really special of a kid he was. And um, and and she knew him. You know, you know, in the toughest part of his life. And um, you know, as he was fighting cancer tooth and nail and uh you know he you know it's sad he lost that he lost that battle um but you know my hope is that you know the the awareness that uh tomorrow brings to pediatric cancer is something that you know we all can you know take forward and work hard to end because you know i mean i mean i know this is kind of a platitude but you know no child should ever we should never ever lose a child to cancer i really do believe that i think that we're getting so close to figuring this thing out. And, um, you know, that fundraising is so key because, you know, and I, and I have to mention this because, you know, um, it, it may seem counterintuitive, but, you know, pediatric cancer does not get a lot of government funding. Other forms of cancer do, but, um, you know, pediatric cancer is something that does not get a lot of government funding. So a lot of the funding for research into pediatric cancer comes from um, from uh, private foundations, not-for-profits, um, these sorts of things that are t- like what is taking place with UCF tomorrow. So please, 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 um, whatever you can, um, if you can make it, you know, don't be afraid to donate um, to the cause and help us end childhood cancer for 
once and for all. Because, like I said, no child should ever die because of cancer. No child should ever die because of any reason, but cancer is certainly one of them. So um, I do encourage Amen. that in taste. So, all right. Well, on that, on that, you know, really, you know, well, <laughs> on that, you know, positive note, uh, we're going to take a quick break here uh, on the Black and Gold Banner podcast. When we get back, uh, we're going to touch upon Eric Lopez. I'm going to hit you with some questions that I got earlier this week uh, about uh, the NFL draft. And uh, we'll talk about that in because uh, I'm interested to know what your responses are going to be. All right, stick around. Black and Gold Banner at Podcast is back after this. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Um, let's dive in. Well, before we talk about... The, by the way, we're recording this on Thursday night. NFL draft first round is taking place right now. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. But we're not going to touch too much upon UCF's chances in the draft right now because, um, you know, obviously it's not expected that Shaquille Griffin's going to go until probably day two, um, until probably day three, and hopefully day two. But uh, let's talk about um, real quick. I want to catch up on tennis. Obviously, you know, women's golf winning the conference championship. Uh, we talked to the Emily Marin last week. Make sure to check out the back episode for that. Um, UCF came up short in the uh, men's tennis championships in the final against USF uh, at the um, at the tennis complex, four to one. So USF uh, gets the victory. They're so good in tennis. Um, and uh, it, but hey, runner up year in the American in the first season for uh, John Roddick, Eric Lopez. That's not a bad showing, is it? Absolutely not. I think a lot of people would have done to the conference, lost to USF. I think they've won like four in a row now in men's tennis, USF has. So yeah. I'll give them credit for that. But a great showing. And I think, you know, we'll find out. Uh, I think we're finding out May 9th, I want to say, is when the selection is for tennis. But I, I think UCF's done enough to make the NCAA tournament, something they have not done, uh, I believe it's 2005. Mm-hmm. It's the last time that men's tennis has made the NCAA tournament, which is kind of wild. But uh, That was when they had to win the conference in order to get in, too. Yeah, so that you know, I think they've had a heck of a run, a heck of a year. You know, US, you know they beat USF earlier in the year, but uh, USF got the best of them in the championship. Maybe the USF experience, if you will, kind of gave them an advantage there as far as being in a championship before. But uh, certainly a tremendous credit to John Roddick and the turnaround. The fact that we're even having this conversation is amazing. Well, they snuck into the top 30 in the ITA rankings. They're right there at number 30. Um, ahead of Florida State, ahead of Memphis, ahead of Duke, uh, just behind Tulane, a couple SEC schools. USF is 22nd. So Where's Florida? Florida is where is Florida? Fourteenth. 
Well, and the reason I bring that up, and that is significant, and listen, it doesn't matter what the sport is. It always comes down to this. If UCF gets in, I could see them being paired up in Gainesville in the, if Florida hosts in tennis, a mm-hmm. regional. Another one that UCF could end up going is a place you're very familiar with, Georgia. Yeah. Speaking you know, of that, 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 is, that is another possibility we'll have to keep on. Speaking of, by the way, women's golf, it actually, I think it came down today. Uh, Georgia, uh, they are, they are headed to Athens. They are heading to, uh, Georgia for their NCAA, uh, regional event. It will take place. The Knights are 27th in the country right now, by the way, women's golf. It will take place at UGA's golf course, uh, in Athens, where I have been before. May 8th through the 10th, they are the number seven seed in that, uh, in that, that region. Um, now here, here's how 72 teams, uh, will compete and there are 24 like wild card individuals who were really good individually, but their teams weren't good enough to get in. Each regional has 18 teams and six wild card individuals and, and there's four regionals and then six teams with the lowest scores advanced, uh, uh, to the advance to the NCAA women's golf championship tournament, which uh, will be May 19th uh, through the 24th. Uh, this is the 13th NCAA regional for UCF women's golf in the last 23 years, fifth in the last six, uh, and they are the last time UCF made it to the NCAA championship, um, out, they made it last time they made it out of the regional, 1996. So wow. 21, 21 years since UCF has gotten uh, has gotten out of the regionals and into the NCAA championship. So uh, Emily Merritt and her crew, hey, they got a shot, don't they? Wow, I'm so, that's a heck of a stat. Yeah. I feel like they've been close recently, right? Haven't they been close? They've been a, they've been close a couple times, just on the outside, not on the right. outside looking in. I mean, it's been tough, but um, let's see. I wanted to. Oh, uh, there is a UCF rowing event <laughs> against Miami. Um, on Saturday, and that is their last event at the Intercollegiate Rowing Center, which is out on Lake Pickett, east of town. Uh, that is their last event until uh, the American Championships, which will be in Sarasota in May 13th. So if you're on the east side of town, yes. looking for something to do in the morning, head on over and support uh, and support UCF Rowing. And it's beautiful, beautiful Sarasota. Yes. Wow. Sarasota. So, you know what's funny about that? And again, credit to the American Digital Network. I know I sound like a shill because I'm involved with them. <laughs> I actually no, and, I, and I'll bring it. I bring this up. The the rowing championships are going on in the same weekend that the softball championships are going on. Yeah, and I remember last year I was with softball in Tulsa for the conference tournament, and I don't remember the day. I, I, I it was an afternoon. I, I want to say it was Saturday afternoon. I want to say it was Saturday afternoon because I remember. We actually the UCF got eliminated in the semifinal by Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, you know, but they weren't flying out until uh, trying to remember when we flew out. I think it was either late Saturday or maybe it was early Sunday morning. I don't remember. It was all a blur. When you're in Tulsa, everything's a blur. But anyway, so but I remember because our SID at the time she was obviously the SID for uh, rowing as well. Thank yeah. So she had on the rowing championships on the laptop because obviously the American Digital Network was streaming the rowing championships and I sat and watched with her the rowing championships 
as UCF wanted. And so uh, that's what that's yeah. what I remember. And they're going to be, they, they, from what I understand, they, they're obviously another great year and will probably be favorites again to win it again uh, in the American Conference, being in Sarasota and uh, trying to make another push in the NCAA tournament. So they've done a heck of a job themselves. Shout out to Becky Kramer, the head coach of UCF, yeah. who has put together one hell of a resume at UCF and uh, has really made UCF a power in rowing, particularly in the a fan American. of the softball, a fan of the softball program yes. and vice versa. In fact, uh, when softball was uh, before we the last year, they went to Florida. The rowing team greeted the softball team on their way to the bus before they get on to Gainesville, and then I think softball returned the favor when rowing was going to their championship. So. Uh, good group there, good group, good coaches, good people there. So certainly wish them the best. One last thing I wanted to mention also on this, um, men's golf. Um, they came in as uh, uh, in the American Championship. They were in the top three. Um, they finished in fourth as a team. USF won the men's golf uh, championship in the American. This is at Innisbrook over in uh, was it Palm Harbor uh, over on the West Coast. Um, the Knights finish uh, in fourth place. Um, D1 men's uh, men's college golf, by the way, uh, UCF receiving votes in the coaches poll, uh, even though they didn't uh, get the victory in the team championship. Uh, and look at the player leaderboard. Um, Michael Paris of Houston um, won the individual tournament. Christian DeMarco of USF uh, actually um, uh, they they finished actually tied for first. Uh, but Paris won in a playoff. Um, uh, they finished the, the total round tied at, at minus one, and then Paris won in a playoff. Top individual finisher for UCF, Manuel Elvira, uh, finished in seventh place. So congrats to Bryce Waller's team on the job well done, and they're probably going to get a chance to play in the NCAA golf uh, championships as well. So that'll be fun to watch uh, as well. We've got women's golf, we've got men's golf, and men's tennis to look out for here with the NCAA's uh, coming up. And uh, oh, one last night, track. One last thing, track and field has got one last meet Friday. Tom Jones Memorial in Gainesville at the home of the Gators. Uh, that's their last meet before the American Athletic Conference Championships, May twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. All right, let's flip over to football Christmas, also known as the NFL Draft. One of our favorite times here. All right. So earlier um, this week, Eric Lopez, I was on the Eric Casilia show on Sports Talk 1040 in Tampa. He has me on to talk UCF stuff. And uh, Joe airs as well on 1080. Uh, it, it does air. Atlanta. Okay, it does air on 1080 as well. Gotcha. Because I know it's it's based in 1040, um, but it right. does air in 1080 in town. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, he asked me a couple of really good questions, and I was and and I know what my answers are, and I wanted to throw this at you because we're talking about the NFL draft. We'll talk about which players get picked from UCF in the NFL draft, and also the free agent situation in next week's show once the NFL draft is over tonight. Where as we're recording this, the first round is taking place right now. Um, but all right, so let me start with this, Eric Lopez. Who is the best UCF player in the NFL right this minute? I know who I'm coming in with. Who are you coming in with? Are we going body of work? Are we going... I'm talking right now. Right this instant. I'll give you... uh, Can I give you mine? Yeah. I'm coming in with Latavius Murray. Over Brandon Marshall and Josh Sitton? Over Brandon Marshall and Josh Sitton right now. Because Latavius, I think, his trajectory is going up. 
Um, I think that it's, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do um, with that Minnesota Viking offensive line. Um, you know, last year he had 788 yards for his career. He's got 2,200, but um, th- th- this we're, I, I think we're getting ready to, I, we're, I think we're getting ready for a big time breakout from uh, Latavius. He was a hot commodity in the free agent market, 6'3", 230 still. Um, it, not bad for a guy who was picked in the sixth round um, by the Raiders. Had a thousand yard season in 2015. Um, right now he's, he's, I think he's got the belt, but I will say, I also told Eric this. Um, I'm interested to see what Brandon Marshall does with the New York Giants, my favorite football team. Boy, you can't, you can't believe how happy I was about that. I'm interested to see what Brandon does with the Giants because for the first time in 10 years, he's not going to get double teamed. Yeah, I think from a body of work, I go Marshall or Sitton. Uh, I actually might go, if you're going present, I might go A.J. Boye, who just had a Pro Bowl year quarterback in Houston, now is in Jacksonville, got paid, signed a big contract with the Jaguars. So I might give the lean to A.J. Boye, uh, which would be fitting because I think defensive backs is kind of the backbone as far as where UCF's made their name in the NFL, Mm -hmm. really, with all the success they've had in the secondary. Let's be honest with Griffin will be drafted at some point this weekend. He'll add himself into this draft and that part of the legacy, going back to Travis Fisher, going back to Asante Samuel, Kamal Ishmael, I believe, if he could stay healthy, uh, it's going to be tremendous. Uh, in fact, I've read recently where it looks like the Falcons might play him at linebacker, move him from safety hmm. to linebacker, uh, which is a unique situation there. So uh, I would go Bouye. Uh, Murray obviously had a great year with Oakland. My only question is Minnesota's offensive line is very shaky, so we'll see how he does following the the legacy of Adrian Peterson. But certainly you're right. He got signed a big deal with the Vikings, so not a bad uh, uh, certainly choice there either. I should note Brandon Marshall, by the way, in his career, 82 touchdown receptions. Uh, that is 23rd all-time in the NFL. Yeah, pretty good. Not bad. So no mention of Matt Prater, huh? <laughs> Prater, pro bowler. He's been a pro bowler. Pro bowler, and and he his name lives forever in the NFL as he's he's got the record for longest field goal in NFL history, and that's saying something. He he beat Tom Dempsey's. Well, I say several guys that tied Tom Dempsey's, but he beat Tom Dempsey's record. Sixty. Yep. Tom Dempsey kicked from sixty three. Prater Prater made one from sixty four. So. I still think I still think in the right situation, like Janikowski could probably knock one down from sixty five or sixty six, but um, but Prater's got one from sixty four, and I'm sticking to it as long as I'm there. So, all right, here's uh, another question uh, I got I got thrown at me that I want to go. Who is the best potential NFL prospect on UCF's football roster right now? Uh, the one I, that would jump out to me would be, I'll go first this time. I'll go Traquan okay. Smith. Okay. I think he's a solid receiver that I think could get drafted. Kind of like Rashad Perriman, Kamar Aiken mold, get drafted somewhere. I don't know if he's a number one in the NFL, but I think he could be a number two, number three receiver in the NFL. I, I would go with Traquan Smith. Uh, would be my first choice, I guess, from the roster. Okay. I came in with Jordan Aikens. And the reason why I like Aikens is because I, I, you know, I think pro scouts like the flex, like these uh, very flexible guys. 
uh, can kind of, that that maybe in college they're positionless, but in the NFL they can move from one side to the other. And Jordan is that at tight end. He's listed as six three two thirty seven out of Atlanta, uh, but I think that if he shows well this year, if he can kind of prove himself to be sort of a security blanket for Mackenzie Milton, I think that could get really interesting. Uh, I think that his pro prospects, I think he sort of translates to a slightly shorter Martellus Bennett sort of guy where you could bulk him up and he could play tight end. He's got the speed to do it, but he could, but he would be very dangerous on the outside. Um, I, I think that Aikens right now, if we're talking about pure NFL potential, he might be my number one. My number two guy is um, Adrian Killens, just based on pure speed, pure absolute speed. I, I think that th- that that kind of thing, you know, if he's able to get to the NFL, he could be an excellent kick returner. Um, boy, that could be really interesting at the next level. What do you think? Too young to tell, uh, Kelly. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I got to see these guys play more. I mean, Aikens, you know, I know a lot of people like Aikens and his physique. I, we'll see. He's got to produce. We'll see what happens. Uh, time will tell. I, I, you know, it's hard to try to project. I mean, who would have thought a year ago today that we'd be talking about, you know, Shaq Griffin going in the NFL draft? I wouldn't have thought that. So mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable projecting young guys on this roster because you don't know what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of squeamish when it comes to that kind of conversation because uh, you don't know. What it's easy to be wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, right. I mean, it's an easier gap there. I mean, uh, that's for sure. Especially, you know, with so many young guys on the roster, we just don't know. We don't know what about you know what freshman's going to come in and impact, and maybe they're the most talented. Who knows? So time will tell. I'll, I'll give you a good example. So we literally just now. Tampa Bay Buccaneers just selected O.J. Howard, the tight end out of Alabama. O.J. Howard is listed at 6'5", 251. And I see if you put 20 pounds of muscle on Jordan Akins, I could see that. I could see that happening. I could definitely see that happening. But, again, I think you're right. I'd like to see the production a little bit more. It's such a tough thing, but it's. It, I just think it's a fun thing to talk about. And, and, I, and it really made me think for a little bit when Eric – uh, asked me that, and I wanted to touch touch upon it with you and and see what you thought. So it should be fun. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a good summer. I, I have I have a feeling this year we're going to see a lot of guys. Um, you know, we're going to start to see some guys emerge and see where the real talent is on that offensive side of the ball. Now that they have a full year under Scott Frost's offense under the belt. All right, let's wrap it up here, Lopez. What do you got on tap this week? I got softball. UCF hosting U- UConn. I'll have the call three games from mm-hmm. uh, the complex. Looking forward to that. That'll I'll be, be there on mate. Senior Day on Sunday, right? Yeah, that sounds good. Yep, very good. It'll be fun. always an emotional day. Yeah, I can't stand Senior Day because it's so emotional and it's like it's yeah. Uh, gosh, I, I hate saying goodbye. I hate that. Um, but I'm honored to be there to be on the uh, on the PA mic for that. Um, for that senior class because they've had uh, quite a run at UCF softball. So a couple of reminders. Don't forget to check out blackandgoldbanneret.com where uh, Brian Murphy has his latest article on UCF baseball out. Uh, we'll be tweeting that out as well. Don't forget also to uh, check out UCF baseball um, this week as they continue their campaign, their fundraising campaign uh, on uh, uh, teamversuscancer.org. 
uh, or versuscancer.org, vs-cancer.org. Just search for UCF um, and uh, UCF Knights Baseball raising money for pediatric cancer. They've raised already almost $21,000. But, you know, like I said, um, we need to raise as much money as we can to try and end childhood cancer once and for all. Um, to, uh, and, and we're going to do that in honor of Joe Skinner. So please, please head on over there and donate. Um, any amount is gravy as far as we're, con- as far as we're concerned. Um, head over to blackandgoldbanneret.com also to subscribe to our podcast, which you can listen to on there. You can also listen to us via uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, and tune in. You can hit us up at UCF underscore banner on Twitter. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric Lopez is at Eric Lopez Elon. All right. And hit us up on Facebook as well. Just look up Black and Gold Banneret on Facebook. So for Eric Lopez, my name is Jeff Sharon. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side next week. <laughs>